0: Hello, and welcome to Surviving HG, the truth about plant medicine podcast. I'm your Canadian host, Tori Moline, and I can't wait to share with you all the brave untold stories of women who faced hyperemesis gravidarum and courageously chose to use plant medicine. These stories carry with them raw experiences, brave vulnerability, and ultimately the intuitive powers HG moms have deep within inside of us. This podcast marries two untalked-about subjects, HG and the generation of women who were silenced, and the natural yet stigmatized powers of the cannabis plant. HG is the picture-perfect illness candidate for cannabis, but because it involves pregnancy and growing a baby, doctors in the medical world are reluctant to try it and to recommend it. Decades worth of propaganda still contributes to many people, including these doctors outlook on plant medicine. In some places like the UK or Texas, for example, HG moms who choose to use cannabis out of survival to save them and their baby are persecuted. In other places, HG moms are given a hard time by social workers, family members, partners, hospital staff, and their OB and midwife. HG moms deserve justice after centuries of suffering. HG moms deserve to know about plant medicine as an option during HG pregnancies. HG moms deserve to know there are other women fighting just like them and making the brave decision to go against the social norms and choose plant medicine. HG moms need education, resources, and community after centuries of being deprived from it. These stories you are about to hear are from moms who bravely shared them in hopes of helping create change for future HG generations. These stories deserve to be heard. These stories deserve to be protected, and these stories deserve to be shared and listened to. These are the untold stories of HG plant medicine moms. this next episode, I have Holly from Pennsylvania. Holly is milking my PhD on social media and she has a platform that uh, talks about plant medicine and healing and mental health and motherhood. And she is such an incredible resource for moms. Um, she really focuses on pointing moms towards community and healing together and talking about, you know, that stuff that that is hard and uncomfortable to talk about and healing together through that. Uh, Holly, I've come to know her through TikTok and advocating for plant medicine. Holly's HG story involves one of of loss and hope. Holly, when she was pregnant with HG, she was kept in the dark. She was not told about hyperemesis gravidarum, and she didn't know about uh, plant medicine's potential during that time. When she was healing from this pregnancy loss, she began to see the benefits of plant medicine. And so when she got pregnant again with her fourth Earthside earth baby, she chose to continue consuming cannabis. And she talks about how it helped her and how much she believes in the plant. Um, Holly is such a great, great presence on social media. She c- carries so much energy with her and so much uh, just good vibes and healing vibes. And she is a safe place for so many so many moms. So this is Holly's story.
1: Hey, Hi, Tori. I'm Holly and I'm from Pennsylvania. I live in the US. I had a little bit of some background that I'd love to share with you. And I'm so honored to be on this podcast and be able to just sit with a friend and just chit chat about some things that I experienced. And hopefully other people don't have to experience them because they'll be able to learn from us. So thanks yes. for doing all the work that you do. It's really important. And I'm really honored to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk about all the possibilities and the change that we can bring and create in this field of this untalked about field of birth and birth work and postpartum and everything.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. yes, That, that part, that part, for sure. The unspoken words, right? And that's perfect introduction for where I am because I am a woman and I'm a teen mom. I'm a one in four mom. I'm a preemie mom. I'm a non-custodial mom. I'm a stillbirth mom, a home birth mom and an HG survivor. As a woman that's as a woman that has suffered from many unexpected miscarriages and as a mother of four I didn't think that I'd ever find any comfort in finding another pregnancy. The fear of losing another was just so great after the last that I never imagined that I would even want to try. I've always fought my own self from expressing my my most authentic self, probably because I was too afraid of stumbling over my own words and being afraid of what someone else might say, right? Because that anxiety that lives deep inside my soul Mm -hmm. sometimes takes a little bit over what I have to say. But- Maybe it was that I wasn't given the support from others, and I wasn't taught that my voice is worth a matter, and it has some volume, and this podcast allows me to break through those walls, because though I've done this in some type of light, there is always that hesitation of why me? Do I belong here? Am I enough? And this podcast allows everyone to see that it doesn't matter where you come from, you are always enough, but always enough. Is always inside, and you have to find that right—that light that lives really deep, dark in that hole.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um
1: Picking. Hey, yeah, go ahead. ahead sorry. Go? No, no, it's okay. I. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've never known what I've wanted to do or who I've wanted to be, and I've always felt like I just didn't belong. Yet it was as I was if as I was too young to sit at the table and experience something, but somehow I was there anyways. Mm-hmm. That feeling of belonging, but not being able to verbalize that was, was so hard. And now I'm able to really speak through it and announce that it's hard. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of harness that power.
0: Absolutely. And be able to share your story with others is so powerful. And what a, to go from such darkness, to be able to give such light to others is a true gift. And from what I've seen with, um, I follow Holly on social media and she is, just such a, such a light to others. You have so, such kind energy towards you and you're so approachable through, through social media almost. And so, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that about you.
1: Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. A little bit about me. In summer of 2019, I found out that we were expecting. My husband worked for a fancy political job while I mapped cemeteries from home and began working on my PhD, took care of my two nurslings, On my own, and did the things that we had to do. Things were simple, or maybe I thought it was. Maybe I was just blinded by the light. But I soon found out that I was much more alone than I had thought. COVID had just began, and the world changed quickly as I had ever known it. My body was no longer my own temple; it was now being taken over by a little being that was growing inside my womb. All that that felt that made me feel restricted. Something was different. Something. Something felt like, like I was missing something and why I was so sick. I was sicker than I've ever had been before, consistently vomiting, not able to consume anything from even water to, to dry crackers, or even just the toast that I would, the leftover toast from my little younglings, right? Like eating the scraps. I wasn't able to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that made the world feel so dark just because the little interactions that you do have as a stay-at-home mom that those interact those feelings oh god i definitely fucked up that whole paragraph and now i'm like overwhelmed (laughs) i can also i know you're gonna edit all of this i know i'm not not i love that about this that you get to see what makes you feel good and like work with that right so like that makes
0: me feel good because i
1: whatever but i also want to be able to like not make myself look horrible and i think i put a lot of pressure on
0: myself (laughs) doing so good um maybe i can ask you this question your your, your previous kiddos um, and your previous pregnancies, you didn't have HG during those times? I didn't. Okay. No, no,
1: I've been pregnant. I've been pregnant 22 times, uh, mm-hmm. almost two dozen. And each pregnancy was very, very different. And it wasn't until this this baby that I was pregnant with in 2009, that it really changed it. It really changed for me. Pregnancy wasn't something that I had celebrated anymore because it wasn't something that was promised for me mm-hmm. and it wasn't something that could count on. So when I got really sick and I couldn't find the excitement in food or, or in anything, right? Like the joys of the tickles, I was just so sick that it, it took all of that away from me. Right. And as I've said, I've been pregnant nearly two dozen times before and with three children Earthside. at that time, many, many with wings. The fact that it was gifted to me, it just felt like I didn't have the right batteries for some new toy. Right. And I use that analogy because as a child, you know, sometimes on Christmas day, we get this new fancy gift that we're so excited to use and we don't get to use it. Right. So you feel that like feeling of like, I want to go. I want to do this, but there's that reservation, and that's that's really what HG did to me. The, this pregnancy was real different. I suffered from a placenta abruption. The baby before that in 2017 was rushed into an emergency cesarean. I had, I was told that I would never give birth vaginally again. But I was very educated on VBAC, and I was determined that I was going to do something else. Mm-hmm. But being a high risk patient. With carrying this baby now at this time in 2019 that I was had it undiagnosed HG with, mm-hmm. I had lost that baby
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I had many ultrasounds and those ultrasounds the let me, let me read you this thing. Cause I think you're really going to love this. So being a high risk patient, I had more ultrasounds than normal, but one was, one was, but I wasn't. Okay.
0: No worries. Take your time. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tori, your voice matters, don't worry. No matter how you say
1: it. Facts. Being a high-risk patient, I had more ultrasounds than normal. It wasn't, but I wasn't more alarmed. I was used to this. I had been down this road before. This one routine ultrasound that I had, I learned that my baby's heart had stopped beating and my world had stopped again. But at this time, I had two nurslings at home I was going through a very horrific HD pregnancy that was undiagnosed and mistreated, and no one was listening to the fact that I was so sick, and it was just me at home by myself. Mm -hmm. Remember that political working husband that I spoke about? Well, he was out saving the rest of the world while I was taking care of our home, which is a very scary thought nowadays, thinking of all of my friends and family that have to go through that right now. For my husband, he was completely disconnected from me. There was no unity. There was me, but my appointment was following the next day at noon, where I would lose my baby. But this little one had a different plan for me. That night, as I labored while I was nursing my two little my two nurslings, I cried and I felt and I watched Luna peek through the curtains. I reached that point of birthing. I ran a bath and I mourned the littlest because I knew I had to prepare. Once, once I soon gave birth to my breached baby at home, I realized that I received that home birth that I've always dreamt of, and I had that feedback that I was never promised, but did receive. I labored in the tub for 45 minutes, scared and frightened that I would have to do it alone, too scared to call my husband because of his foul intentions. I called him and I caved, and I birthed our baby alone in my tub with my two children waiting for their breast for their comfort. Now I know why I lost that baby, Tori. I know why, because of malnutrition. I know because it was from undiagnosed HD. And I knew that this baby that was taken for me actually saved me, right? Because there was no support for me. There was nothing that I could do at that point. I was not using cannabis. I had no support, no help, no medical pathway to follow suit. And no one was listening to me as it was, hence why it
0: was diagnosed. Right, right. And were you were uh, were you seeing like an obstetrician? What was their like perspective on the situation?
1: They still don't discuss the HD perspective, to be honest. It wasn't until I got pregnant with my last baby mm-hmm. that, and I actually took a hold of my own pregnancy because my voice was going to be heard with this baby. I was not going to experience the same things that I had experienced mm-hmm. until I really brought it to them. I led the way for that.
0: Right. And that's
1: when, like, after I lost that baby, I used cannabis and I found cannabis and that was what helped me find what motherhood was for me. Of course. It allowed me to do things that were a little different than mm-hmm. what my parents had always told me were bad for me.
0: Right? Yeah, uh, and that so was
1: really special.
0: Of course. Fast forward oh, a bit, right? Yeah. Fast
1: forward to when we're pregnant, right? That's where we want to get to. <laughs>
0: um, with with cannabis. So you had had you ever consumed cannabis prior to any of your pregnant or uh, I guess the recent pregnancies?
1: Yeah. So when I was younger and when I was 16, I went to rehab and I went to rehab for ecstasy and I stopped using cannabis because cannabis was a drug. Right. Mm -hmm. And I went to NA and I was clean and serene for many years. And it was my way of life until one day I realized that cannabis wasn't a drug. And I was about 21, 22 when I decided to pick it back up. Mm -hmm. I picked it up for maybe about 18 months. And then I put it back down because the stigmas of motherhood and such kind of took forth, Ah. kind of went through my life and didn't touch cannabis at all. And that's when I had Coral and Cove, my other two that I didn't use cannabis with. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I lost my one baby, Hensley, that I really noticed that cannabis can do things for you, right? And that it was more of a medicine. And that's ah. when it opened that door for me. The turning point. So- for sure. Absolutely. So when I got pregnant the next time, my last pregnancy, I was prepared this time, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, I already had started my my PhD and my studies and I'm beginning to look into things. And this is where I really learned, right? That I have a choice and I have a voice and that I can do my own educational research and what do OBs work for and all of the things involved in that, right? And how to read a study. That's where I really learned on what is missing from this study? Why are they saying these things? What is going on that we're not seeing? All of the, the real information, right? How do we depict and kind of fork through that information to, to really say if it's valid or not? That's mm-hmm. when I was able to really do things. And that's when I took my education through my OB. Right? So when I found out that I was pregnant again, I had to like really decide what that meant for me, right? Because... It's, it's a lot for anyone, but at this point, my family was working on it. Right. And that made things just a tiny bit harder. The answers depended on other people. And I, I didn't know what that meant. Right. Like mm-hmm. how was I to take care of my own self? It was what my OB thought. It was what my husband thought, right. Because it was his baby too. Mm-hmm. And cannabis at this point, I'm using cannabis actively. I see the benefits I am able to eat. I'm losing weight and throwing up at the beginning of my pregnancy. I lost 25 pounds before I even got to the doctors at 12 weeks.
0: Oh, wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. And months. and I was the mom that gained 80 pounds during my pregnancy. Okay, like, So three. you have both experiences sort of. Just, yeah.
1: Exactly. And that's really important for me to identify with as well, because it, it doesn't just pick the one that's dealt with it before. Sometimes mm-hmm. it picks the ones that are going through it. And and where's the research on that? What does that even mean? Like, wh- who gets to determine that? <laughs> Is it genetic? Those are all the questions I'd love to be able to research at some point in our life. But first, I had to put those new batteries in my new toy, right? When mm-hmm. I found out that I was pregnant and I had to decide to go back to the doctors. And that that was when I decided to put those batteries in. The place that haunted me, the place that hurt me time and time again, I had to go there. Took me a few months before I went there. Yeah. And and I was verbalizing that I was pregnant, but I, I didn't tell anyone, right? Because I was too scared. But this baby, when I went for my first 12-week scan was measuring small, right? But that could be literally anything at 12 weeks. They don't even know when you had actually conceived that baby. But what was concerning was the spatial fluid that was behind the back. Of the neck, the nuchal fold. Are you familiar with that? I am. Not. It identifies. Okay. Well, it identifies pretty much like genetic issues. So they found this spacing, and instantly that was it for them. Right at twelve weeks, which we know, right, the baby twelve weeks but I imagine it's like the size of a a little tiny navel orange. Right? Is that? A, how do you measure that tiny little millimeter space of where fluid is going through? Mm-hmm. So I was stranded in fear waiting for this doctor and awaiting the moment that I hear those three knocks on the door before they walk in. I hear them. My body is shaken and, and tense up and I'm ready and palpitating. I see my doctor walk in. The blood rushes to my chest. She tells me, I don't know about this one without even asking me how
0: I am. Oh, no. It's because she knows me, right? Okay. So this is a doctor you had seen before, hey? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And for all pregnancies or? Mm, no, um,
1: okay. I'd say a, a handful. Gotcha. A handful. She's seen a handful of losses. Yeah. She's seen two full-term bait. Well, she's seen a full-term baby and a NICU baby. Okay. So she had her own thoughts. Mm-hmm. But that was where I said that I... I don't know what I want to do, right? I don't know who I want to tell that I'm so sick, that I've done all this research, that I know that that this is helping me. Because at the point, mind you, let me, let me say I didn't know that I had HG. I right. just knew I was sick and losing weight, mm-hmm. right? So I was doing whatever I could do to stay alive at that point. Yep, yep. But she told me, don't hope for this one to work out.
0: Wow. And
1: let's just take this one day at a time. So we did that. So I, 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 really, I was taken back. I was, I, I didn't really know what to do. And mind you, our family's on the rocks. So it's me, pregnant with two babies, right at home, trying to figure out what I was going to do for my entire life. Right. But you know, now I was lucky because I was surrounded by like-minded people that encouraged me to do the things. Okay. I continued going to those appointments, and I continued doing the research. Mm-hmm. So this is this is that next turning point in my brain where I can say that this is where I decided that enough was enough. Where I had to tell my OB, like, "Hey, I have a medical card. How does that make you feel?" Ah. She didn't really want to discuss it because it was something that hasn't really been discussed before. But she had gone through it with other people before. Mm -hmm. And just kind of like dabbled around it, but didn't really deal with it. But she knew that I was going to be the one that was going to encourage her to have to do something. So before she just kind of ignored it from what I had gathered, I can't, right. Yeah. But that's just kind of what it seemed. So I told her that I was using medicinal cannabis and we played the game that most providers do where You don't really like go on record, right? You're not taking urine screenings. You're just kind of talking off record about using cannabis because they can't encourage it, but they're telling you to just do whatever you need to do to keep gaining weight, right? Let's see a growing baby. Let's just do the things. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that for a while until it got close where I had to really decide. It wasn't until 27 weeks where I even told people that I was actually pregnant and having a baby ah. because in my brain, I still wasn't having baby, right? Trauma. So 27 I, weeks is
0: a long time to keep that to oneself. Yeah. But it was easy, right? Because I lost so much weight. I wasn't growing, I suppose. Yeah. Physically, (laughs) in a sense, sense. (laughs) mentally, but yes, yes.
1: I know. (laughs) Let me just throw it all into perspective, but yeah, no, you're right. So at this point I had to decide, um, I wanted a VBAT. Okay. I, which my doctors weren't very thrilled about. So at this point I requested my medical records. Mm. I wanted to nurse my baby and I also was using cannabis. And notice how I said I wasn't, I don't want to use cannabis. I am using cannabis, right? Because that was my legal right. As a medicinal patient, I am using cannabis. Right. So, um, my headphones are dying. So I'm using cannabis. And that's a really important thing for me to tell my doctors. But now I need to decide what. I went to my OB. Oops. Back. I went to my OB, I brought her some research mm-hmm. and I, I broke down some facts and I explained why it's important for me to use it. Mm-hmm. And I explained about how the research was biased and we didn't know if the mothers were using tobacco or not. I right. explained about how medicinal cannabis is much different than street cannabis. Mm-hmm. I'll say that again. Medicinal cannabis is different
0: than street cannabis.
1: Yep. If you don't I'm know where you're like, getting your medications, yeah, so that's
0: an issue. Using the term medicinal cannabis during an HD pregnancy, language is key. Facts. A hundred percent. I could not agree more
1: because it's a medicine, right? Hmm. We can try all of the other pharmaceuticals that can help, but this is a medicine too. Why can't we look at it as medicinal purposes? I almost went down a whole rant on how we have medicinal cannabis because we want our money, but we won't go
0: there. There is that. <laughs> yes, I, I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. That's like a whole
1: thing. But another thing that I thought was important for me was I had to get my pediatrician on board as well.
0: Okay, that is an interesting topic. Yes.
1: Yeah. So um this would be one that we dive in at another time. I think it's a whole chapter and it's on its own. We think so too. Um, but yeah, but quickly. Um, I brought my pediatrician the same research. excuse me. I brought my family physician, my family physician, family doctors work for you. Pediatricians work for the children. That's an important thing to notate for me in the U S. Um, so I brought my family doctor, all of the research as well. After I got my OB on board saying that she was open to me doing the things that I needed to do that were going to best help my body. And I, because I had a medical card, right? I had that medical card that was really helping me. That makes a big deal because I'm not smoking cannabis from the street. I'm smoking medicinal cannabis and that's going to help me later on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But my, my doctor, my family physician was able to go on board as well because I was able to bring, in re- bring research to them that said that it doesn't pass through through lactation, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal for me because as a lactation professional, I'm not willing to not nurse my baby because I'm choosing cannabis, but Mm -hmm. I also wanted a VBAC, which was unsafe for me. So there was like all of these different things. Like I would have just preferred a home birth, right? Because if we can do a home birth, hospitals are for emergencies, right? Hospitals are for emergencies. Birth is a period of life. Mm -hmm. It does not need to be done in an emergency setting. Can be done any place. But that, that factor there, I think is where those policies come in. And that was was really where my OB couldn't do anymore. Mm-hmm. Was when I was in the
0: hospital, and, and that's when I was looking at is. hospital policies. Uh, hospital you know, policies, hospital policies vary, don't they? In the st- in st- yeah, they sure st- do. Yes, ma'am, they sure do, yeah, and that's important time. too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh- OB prerogative from OB prerogative is so different. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. You think about um, an OB practice that has 30 obstetricians, mm-hmm. right? Then they might all have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Who's delivering your baby? What about the nurses? The nurses might speak to the doctor, but shift change might happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that that nurse might agree with something else. True. I've heard many times before on our po- on our uh, TikTok story about how nurses are mandated reporters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think um, the important thing to notate here is that they're mandated to notate the facts,
0: right? All mm-hmm. of the facts, mm-hmm. not
1: half of the facts.
0: True. <laughs> With saying that, though, I just thought of something that's so true, but then they neglect the facts about hyperemesis gravidarum and starvation which is so sad. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We neglect that. They neglected that I had a medical card when they called CPS on me. Oh. They neglected that my OB was on board. They neglected to tell them that my pediatrician had been spoken to, excuse me, my family doctor had been spoken to. All of these things are really important because right. when, when I did get a phone call, well, after I had delivered my baby, I did get a phone call while I was in the hospital. It wasn't even 24 hours after I had him Physically removed from my body, where a woman was saying, Hey, I'm showing up in your room. I just wanted to let you know I'm on my way. I'm in the parking lot. Right. And I said, I was expecting you, right? Which I shouldn't have been, but I'm expecting you because I'm educated and I know this is going to happen. Right. So I asked her if she had my medical card, and her answer was, Oh, I didn't know you had one. Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as a new mom who was in the hospital, having a cesarean, refusing pain medicine, because I choose not to take that, Mm -hmm. taking at the time I was taking edibles and capsules. So I was medicating, self-medicating in the hospital. And then this woman coming and telling me that, you know, all the things that are involved with that, right? Pretty much said, I want to take your baby. That's all you see when you hear CPS. You
0: hear, I'm here to take your baby. Whether you've gone through that or not, mm-hmm. that's the feeling. A vulnerable state, <laughs> a very vulnerable, vulnerable state that 24 hours after yeah. giving, not, you said not even 24 hours, my goodness. Not even. All right. Sorry. All right. So when she yeah. comes to the room, we, what does she say? Oh yeah. What mm-hmm. did she say to you? Well, she said, okay, you have a medical card, so you kind of so, got established. Yep. So as soon as she walked in the room, I I did establish that I had
1: a medical card on the phone with her. And then when she got in the room, she kind of knew right by my tone and the quality of my voice and how I was presenting myself that I was prepared for this conversation, which is really why I do what I do, right? Because it makes it easier knowing that you have someone that you can call, even if you don't call them and someone shows up in the room. Just knowing that you have someone on your side is really helpful. And I think that part of doula work is, is really important. It's almost like a doula, right? Like we need to, we need to be able to support one another from all over and know the right thing. So what did I tell my doctor or tell CPS? I provided her with the hospital policy. I provided her with my educational research and we went through on what this all meant. Now, where did I get this policy? I had to ask them for it while I was in the hospital because I did not know what I was doing. Are you is everyone gonna be able to get their policy? No. No. They're gonna make you run through hoops.
0: Could it be something you could prepare for if the HG mom knew to prepare for it? Yes. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is something that I tried, I try to speak about a lot. If we can learn about what the hospital policy that says their drug policy, right? Because cannabis is a drug according to hospitals. So you're asking them for the drug policy. It's really important, right? We need to read those fine print, that fine print, the information that says, does it say medical on there? Do you have a medical card? Is it legal in your state? Do they have something dictated that says that? Mm -hmm. All of this information, if they don't have it in policy, they can't do it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. They can't. And if they do... You have a hole, right? It's all about finding those loopholes mm-hmm. to be able to like really kind of like we're we're on like a jungle gym, right? We're kind of like, so
0: climbing cool. monkey bars. <laughs> it would be so cool to pull all the loopholes from each different state, put all 50 yeah. Them together.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's something that we can totally do. I yeah. I worked actually at two moms this weekend as liver babies and I was on call for. Her. And that was super special to be able to do. And I'm just I'm grateful for just just to be in someone's corner, right? Even if that doesn't mean anything at the time, just knowing that someone's there at any time of the day or night, when someone shows up, knock, knock, knock in your room, you can just butt dial and someone's there to listen. You can have me in your ear. You can say all the things that I'm saying without having to listen, right? Like Mm -hmm. when birth birth is hard. It's a real traumatic experience. And sometimes I didn't remember everything that was going on.
0: Yes, that is a good point as well. And just another listening ear. And you know how like when an emergency situation happens, you're like, oh, I would call my boyfriend or my mom or something. But in this type of situation, that doesn't exist. You are by yourself. You have something like what you're you're talking about, which is amazing.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, consider when When CPS knocks on your door, Mm -hmm. what are your rights?
0: Mm -hmm. That's That's something
1: that we should all know.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Did CPS visit your home? They did. Mm -hmm. They did.
1: Um, They came to my front door. They did not come inside and they left. Ah, okay. They did. Um, (laughs) Did we go out and buy um, a bassinet so the baby had a safe place to sleep? Absolutely, because I'm a co-sleeper. But mm-hmm. um,
0: yeah. unfortunately, they all the
1: things. Me. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that goes. Ugh. Yes, in some countries, they leave you leave the hospital with a baby and a box for
0: uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: safekeeping. Yeah. I almost question if maybe CPS could offer something like that instead of saying you don't have this, okay? Mm-hmm. Right, that's scary. Where's all of the
0: help here? It's
1: completely just, the opposite.
0: Yeah, it's just tests. It's basically just tests that we have to pass and comply with in order to, yeah, it's basically, it's just a big game of compliance. Um, hey. and holding on to every little last bit of your dignity that you can while trying to advocate and research all at the same time while healing your body. It's mm. absurd. Right, right. Right.
1: And that's why we're here, right? To do more. (laughs) Um, more.
0: So, uh, okay. So then CPS comes, they leave. Um, I guess, what was your experience after that? How did, did they ever come back into your life again after that?
1: Yeah. So when they were in the hospital, the woman that I spoke with actually was interested in creating some type of program to help medicinal patients, right? That when if they're working with CPS, so to bridge that gap between the medical professional and CPS, um, look into that now that you're, that we're having this conversation, because I almost question if anyone's actually doing anything, but it's scary when you're someone like an activist, like myself, that's really speaking about things and doing things that are uncommon. Anything can be used against you. Right. And as I had mentioned at the beginning, I'm a non-custodial parent and my son, my oldest son was with his father who lives a very different lifestyle. My oldest son doesn't even know much about my he doesn't know anything about anything about my medicinal cannabis use. Mm-hmm. And that is a little hard for me because I don't like not being able to speak with my children about who I am or who they can become. Right. Mm-hmm. And not to ever, I think something that is, is off kilter with like people that, that do use medical cannabis is that like parents that use them, people assume that they're going to let their children smoke weed. And like, we don't call it weed, we call it cannabis, right? And I use that term for a reason, because it's a medicinal medicine. I say medicinal, because it has all these magical properties that are healing people from so many different ailments, that taking that stigma off of it is only going to help other people here too. And I think that's what they don't want us to do.
0: And using that language that you just said helps to end that stigma. I always, I always tell moms, like, especially when they have HD she don't use the word weed. It just doesn't, it just doesn't sound like, you know what you're talking about kind of thing, <laughs> or you're not using it. Yeah, med- absolutely. It makes it sound like you're not using it medicinally. Right.
1: Absolutely. And it, it's just finding, it's just finding that. It's finding what makes you feel good, really. Right. Like medicinal cannabis really just helps me become myself and allowed me to heal those portions of myself that I wasn't able to express, like playing with toys.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so
1: silly, but it's so fun, right? Like when you get to like throw silk scarves in the air and like make things out of pom-poms, it's just a really fun experience that cannabis has given me. And if if it wasn't for, especially going through HD, my children never would have been able to have a fun mom of course right and by fun mom we were meditating together through those attacks right Mm -hmm. but that was still a fun moment for them because the cannabis allowed me to get out of my mind or Mm -hmm. to get in my mind maybe so that way I didn't have to feel my body if that Mm -hmm. makes sense from the ailments and bond I have this one video that I'm thinking right now of me holding my my little my middle one my third one on my lap and just us meditating just sitting there and just i would not have been able to do that because i was hovering over a toilet right like um, there wasn't leaving the bathroom or there was with a pot and a pan to go to the bus stop to take one to school right like all the things that come with that and parenthood is just that and it's not that we don't want our babies because of course we do but we need to survive for our others of course yeah right? <laughs> giving the power to those who need it is like really why i'm here right as just being able to teach people that they are supported through this process and they'll be able to do that yes. if they have the right tools right and Tori exactly, provides.
0: it's never no one's ever like created any kind of help for us before until until you no. came along and or all of us hd moms who have been through it aren't medical professionals we're all just like let's do something about this <laughs> right right so
1: then it's it's finding that one medical professional that'll listen right exactly, but by exactly. shunning all of these voices you know we're we're suppressing those stories and we're victimizing the perspectives of hg moms exactly we're pregnant if it wasn't for utilizing cannabis i would not I've been able to stay pregnant, nor take care of my children, nor provide for my family, because there was a time where I was the only sole provider.
0: We mm-hmm. lost everything during my pregnancy. Yeah. Literally. So everything. HD impacted you financially, you would say? Well but, mm,
1: no. Life on life's terms fine impacted me financially. And cannabis allowed me. To not suffer those HD episodes as I had with my previous pregnancy, Mm -hmm. right? And I didn't have to go through all of that and lose my my baby.
0: What a magical plant. (laughs) For sure. Do you you advocate for any other kind of plant medicine? Have you used like uh, mushrooms at all? I do.
1: I'm a microdosing mama. I think that microdosing really, really, really helps the PPD. Yeah, I am a firm believer on the way that it slows down your brain um, and just allows you, and let me rephrase this. It doesn't really slow down your brain, okay? But it allows you to like compartmentalize your day. So right now I'm sitting with Tori, okay? I am having a conversation with you. I do not need to think about other things. Right. But sometimes as a mom, I'll think about how I need to be doing this basket of laundry before I go to bed. I gotta make dinner. What am I making for dinner? What am I? But no, mushrooms allow me to just sit in one spot. They allow me to respond to situations rather than react to them, which is a huge deal when you have four children running around your home. So being able to say, Hold on, why are we screaming? Okay, and like doing a little like fairy example because I've noticed the more that I play, the more they're less combative and more attentive to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So that has made it a lot easier because mushrooms kind of heal that inner play. Right. And they give you that ability to just giggle.
0: Yeah. And a little lighter, a peaceful, more peaceful feeling within your yeah. soul. <laughs> That's yeah.
1: Awesome. And- yeah, and we're talking about microdosing, right? So we're talking about nothing over 0. 0.25. That's, yeah, yeah. that's important for me to, to say as well, because as a nursing mama, the research that I have done oh, allows wow. me to say that you can, I would safely microdose up to 0. 0.29. So I recommend 0. 0.25 just because it gives that little bit of wiggle like room, right? Yeah,
0: that's really Anything helpful. Fast. I think mums are going to be, mums are probably... So, well, I know moms are curious. I get questions all the time. And so as a breastfeeding mom, that's such such great info that you just gave. Point two, what you said? Point two five. Five, there we go.
1: <laughs> I was that mom that finally realized that like, I knew it was bad when I couldn't hear my baby cry anymore. And I can say that now, right? Because I've gotten to the point where I have processed that. But if this was a time where I couldn't hear my baby cry, I would not be able to verbalize that with you, right? Because then I would lose my baby, (laughs) right? That's just the reality of the situation. And my postpartum journey, I didn't have any postpartum, I would say with number one. And now I think it's because I was a teen mom and didn't know anything about life. Number two, I was supported. So I had no support or wait excuse me i was supported through my pregnancy so i had many much support from my my spouse mm-hmm. and after i had my baby i had tons of support as well with him like we were very on the same wavelength we were doing all the same things we were it was great right so i think that was great like he delivered our baby in the hospital it was awesome mm-hmm. so i think that was great and then baby number 3 trauma i had a cesarean i had an emergency cesarean and i found out that i I found out I had postpartum depression when some nurse told me, like maybe three weeks after I had him, that I think you have postpartum. Mm-hmm. That's what she said when I had my first freak out in the NICU.
0: She called it. So postpartum? that's when I Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I think you have postpartum. Uh, yeah, that was a that's a story for
1: another time. That's when they called security and on uh, my little five-two ass, right? It's like I was gonna harm someone, but it's fine. But with this baby. This baby, okay, so I had perinatal depression, 100% with this baby. I did not accept that I was pregnant. I did not take the pictures and do the things. It was, I was an activist, right? So I spoke about things on my platform, but I didn't enjoy being pregnant necessarily. Maybe because I was sick. Maybe because I was traumatized maybe because my family was falling apart and I didn't really know if I was going to be married in 10 months or not right like all the things that come with that but then we got through it and we had him and we beat that battle of cps that was great that was so rewarding and I was on that high and I was still like doing the things and I was supported by friends and and it just wasn't enough I don't, I don't really know what that meant, but I remember going to get my hair done with my baby and he was about three months at the time. And and I went in just as I always do nothing out of the norm. And I walked in and I just felt it, just felt it creeping in. And I, and I had an entire manic episode where I just was bawling. And just didn't know if I should be here or not be here and all over a puppy, right? Being in my baby's personal space, but that was enough. And, and so we loaded up, we sat in the car and I had a complete breakdown nursing my baby. Mm -hmm. And that was the full realization of this is not good, right? Like I've got to do something. And that's when I started microdosing.
0: And how did you, um, what was like, what resources did you have back then? Like, where did you get the knowledge about microdosing?
1: So luckily I was in a really awesome group with supported by many women that were able to kind of help guide me. Um, I'm also educated, so I am able to do the research on my own and provide some feedback for others. Um, so I, I really delved through all of the PubMed. I delved delved through um, listening to podcasts and Mm -hmm. learning about how it travels through the body and learning about psilocybin and reading tons and tons of articles to come up with my own safety protocol, right? Because really, what is medicine? It's someone's opinion of something that's scientifically proven to work, right? Do we have that evidence? Not so much, but we do know what's tested and crosses that blood brain barrier and all of those things. And that helps us. Mm-hmm. So we're able to take the science and kind of do a little bit and I didn't do all the science, but I was able to take people that did and come up with my own happy place, which was where I came to that happy point with microdosing of 0.25, mm-hmm. but I had to get my husband on board. Right. That's and amazing. like, yeah how do you, oh, you, can't always do like that, right? Because it's different. Mm-hmm. It's different. Luckily, once I started talking to him about it, he was really open and he had already looked into it. And it was something that he was considering for his own mental health journey. So we were able to do it together. And I think for postpartum, it's really helpful when parents can, can go through that postpartum period together, like through that bonding sense. And I think maybe even microdosing at that postpartum period help you feel your baby's energy, their love, the way they look at you, yeah. the way they ask for things, the way they scream for things, right? Like all of that is, is a, there's a purpose, right? Like there's a purpose for everything. But how do we find it? Microdosing allowed me to find it. Perfect. I think I think post I think postpartum for women, a lot a lot of women don't have support. And I think it's really easy to get stuck when you're traveling on this merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. And, and drop- you're just
0: go ahead. Yeah, and throwing in getting our power taken away from us. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There- Froze.
1: Manage being able to do something like such. How do you even consider advocating for yourself when someone comes into your room and tells you that what you're doing is wrong? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: from the first day of life,
0: none of us were taught. None of us were taught how to do that. And then we get to motherhood, and some of us have to do it based on survival and for our own baby's sake. And it's just so sad how much dependency we've put on our system and how much we've let the system take away our own power. Right. Mushrooms brings us, or for myself speaking of my own experience, mushrooms brought back that power a little bit that got taken away.
1: I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Yeah.
0: It they kind of like allow you to
1: know that like you're touching the ground, right? Like mm-hmm. you're you're connected, you you're able to call your power should you choose to and, I think that's important right because it is a choice and and some people oh microdose don't find anything right and why is that are you doing the work that's involved are you able to identify really the starting point to the next even the next moment right like what did your first trip look like And and by trip it's not necessarily like you're not going on a wild wave right and that's important to identify when you're microdosing, you shouldn't feel anything at all right. until you realize it's working yes exactly. it's like it's like taking a pharmaceutical med right and if you're taking a um a mood stabilizer or a depression med you might take it and not realize that it's working until it's working and then you're like wow that worked mm-hmm. i think mushrooms are similar
0: yeah. I think they're a very powerful tool postpartum. Um, and with HG as well, you know, how we talk about that feeling of isolation and loneliness. And at the end of the freaking day, we only had ourselves sort of thing. And so I think mushrooms like kind of helps you to be okay with that. It's like, okay, we're here. We're, we're here now. I've got me, myself and I, that's pretty much all I can count on. It looks like, and it's like, okay, you know what with that though. I'm going to, I'm going to make that work. I'm going to start believing in myself. I'm going to start trusting myself. And if I have me at the end of the day, that's the best person I can have. And so mushrooms just kind of teaches you that, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You said
1: that when you find that happiness in yourself, right, then it's like, you're never alone
0: because yeah. you
1: find a joy in your best friend, which is yourself.
0: That is so true. So true. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess if moms are wondering how psilocybin works postpartum, why we talk about it all the time, it that is the meat of it right there.
1: <laughs> For sure. hundred percent right there.
0: Yeah. yeah. loving yourself. Yeah. Um, Can't love anyone
1: else without loving yourself first, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add about your postpartum experience with mental health and then everything? Yeah. Um,
1: I think without it's important to identify that without cannabis, I wouldn't be who I am today. And every single day I'm able to learn just something new, whether it's that I can eat food again, right? And then I can find a healthy relationship with food or that things that I've done in my past do not define me or that my emotions are not who I am. They're just that. Those things, cannabis allows me to find the happiness again.
0: That's so beautiful. I love that sentence. <laughs> Cannabis works. Cannabis works. <laughs> it does. Straight and simple. Mental Cannabis and, works. Yeah. Mind, mind, body, soul, pregnancy, breastfeeding, beyond.
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: Motherhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Holly, for sharing your story. That was so
1: Yeah. Thanks, Story, for having me.
0: To hear all of it. You have such have such a such like a long history with like the medical system, trusting your intuition, different types of pregnancies, different types of postpartum experiences. And I can't wait to see how many women you help because I know you're going to help so many moms.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this podcast. This is going to help so many moms. How many people are going to come out of the woodwork to say, please, please, yes, hold my hand and let's connect and let's do this because when we're together, we're not alone. That's right. that's so much better.
0: That's right. HG Moms are some of the bravest women I know. We were built from darkness and had to rise above. We were given little help, resources, or community by those in charge of our care. But we created ourselves once we could unite through the internet and tell our stories where we could tell the truth about plant medicine and surviving HG.